0: Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And dropping into the studio today is writer and voice head radio broadcaster, Stephen Hurley. Stephen, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Thanks, Brent. It's great to be here. This is a great space you got. It's Yeah, the Spoke club. It's fantastic. I love it. So, Stephen, uh, I was just on your show, uh, The Doc, a little while ago. We talked about... Uh, music in a few different contexts, and one of those uh, was music education. And so you, during that interview, had asked me a very interesting question with respect to the impact of music on kids as we plan their education experiences. Right. And so the question actually was, should we be looking at music education in a different way?
1: Yeah, it's it's something that uh, that I think about a lot. I was a music teacher when I began in the profession. Uh, I worked for a school district that uh, felt that music education wasn't as important as I did, and they they got rid of all of their intermediate grade seven and eight uh, instrumental music programs. Uh-huh. And, uh, so, so we've um, I think we've taken a hit in terms of music and, and the arts in general. And I look at my own kids growing up. I, I retired six years ago and decided to start a family. So I, my my kids are <laughs> well, they're eleven and nine, but you know they're at, they love they love music. They can memorize lyrics. They know songs. As soon as they hear them, there's yeah. something very familiar to it. But in schools, uh, we've lost sight of that. And, and it's become very, I guess, pedantic. It's become a subject where it should be an experience. So yes. uh, I know the best music classes that I've um, been involved with as a student and as an educator mm-hmm. have been those ones where you just sit back and you listen to the music. Yes. I remember Rob Bowman uh was a music uh, critic, a musicologist at York University. Uh, okay. I remember watching him one day on TV Ontario. They had a program on there called Big Ideas. I
0: heard it, yeah. Yeah.
1: And they were hour-long lectures and and you know, for the cerebral minded sitting down on a Saturday or a Sunday with a pint of beer was was perfect, you know. Yeah. But Rob Bowman came on and he I remember clearly, he analyzed the song by Otis Redding try a little tenderness. Okay. And I remember hearing it again years later in the soundtrack from the commitments, but he opened my mind. He blew my mind with his analysis of this song. Very simple, you know, how it grew, how it, um, faded out, faded at just, just the way the song developed. Mm-hmm. I've never listened to that song the same way. And really? it started with the experience of the song though. Yeah. Um, T.S. Eliot, poet said, we, I think I've, I'm, I've, Bastardize this? Can I say that on radio?
0: Of course you can. You say whatever <laughs> we you want.
1: Bastardized it enough um, over the years, uh, but uh, to the effect that we have the experience, but we miss the meaning. Well, I think in schools generally today we give them the meaning, and hopefully someday they'll have the experience. But yes. With the music, we need to flip that.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I've often said that people. So you get my whole platform and in my last book was basically that music makes people feel a certain way, yeah. but they don't necessarily think about why that is no. or how that happens. Yet
1: if you give them – if you just unlock it a little bit. mm mm-hmm. For example, if you're listening to something by Neil Young or something by Eric Clapton, um, and my kids love that. They, they just love listening to what they call classic rock or the oldies. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it was the music of my life. <laughs> uh, and you just say, listen to how the bass line moves in this. This is an 11-year-old can pick yeah. that up, you know? Yeah. Uh, I bought I bought my kids, or I rented my kids, very smart in doing that, uh, a set of drums last Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it was my Christmas Eve project. I have a Christmas Eve project every year. Okay. Uh, and a bottle of whiskey. It's so very <laughs> critical first part of the project on Christmas Eve. First year it was the you know those tabletop hockey games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it, then it progressed uh, to a you know a hockey net and then a baseball throwback net. Well, last year it was a set of drums. Okay. My wife's My wife leaves me at ten o'clock on Christmas Eve downstairs. Do you think you're going to be okay? Yeah. <laughs> so I put together this set of drums, and they came. They discovered it uh, halfway through the day on Christmas. Uh, christmas Day. i had given yeah. them drumsticks in their stockings and uh, and they discovered this and their eyes lit up well they played for four months straight yeah and then, and then but they now appreciate percussion and drumming in a right. totally different way exactly they didn't have any lessons they well i took they were given a few lessons but yeah it's just the experience and that's um, right and i think we need to do that more
0: did you did you take music lessons as a kid no, you know, I didn't. Uh, I got an electric guitar and an amp when I was 13 and mm. I was provided with a music book. And it's funny because the f- the first chord in the music book, which makes no sense, is the bar chord, which is the hardest chord to play, right? Yeah. So knowing nothing about guitar at the time, I thought, wow, you know, I didn't think guitar playing was that hard because so many people do it, but maybe it is. So I just kind of gave up because I-, I couldn't form that bar chord. And then when I was 21... I started playing uh, at university with a guy who showed me and he showed me the D chord first and then the C and then the G. And so, you know, my way of learning was through somebody else. They showed me how to you know, form the chords, which made so much more sense to me. So I
1: was involved in a project out of, I was going to say an initiative, but I can't say that at uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, (laughs) out of the the UK called musical futures. And I, I, was involved with its startup here in Canada. And the whole premise behind that, and this is coming out of uh, education culture in the UK that has also lost its way in terms of music education, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But what they did is they put rock instruments in kids' hands Mm -hmm. and they had them go through their playlist on their iPod or whatever device and choose a song. Decide on a song in your group and learn it. Mm -hmm. And so they throw them in the deep end and then they back up and say, "Okay, what do you need help with in order to, to figure the rest of this out?" But yeah. that whole experience of being thrown in and say, "Just learn it,"
0: yeah, uh, with support. That's fantastic. Yeah, I like that. So basically, you're you're drawing the playing field for these kids. You're stepping away, and so you play the game. And if when you need help, I will intervene. However,
1: yeah. in a sense, they're drawing the playing field because they're choosing the music.
0: Actually, yeah, you're right.
1: It's not hot cross buns. I'll tell you that, Brad. <laughs> I love that recorder.
0: (laughs) That was in grade seven. I had the recorder. I think recorder should be banned. (laughs) Oh, I'll tell you, man. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, my my kids brought home recorders. Uh, My nine-year-old brought one home a few weeks ago. Yeah. And he was trying to figure stuff out, and he figured something out. And I said, look. And so I sat down at the piano, and I accompanied him with some jazz chords and some blues and whatnot. Nice. And he took the thing away, and he said, you have to come to my school. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a, yeah. But generally speaking, recorders are evil. But uh, uh, historically, though, they're oh, beautiful I know. instruments.
0: They're just I know. gorgeous, but
1: I don't know why we give them to kids.
0: I don't <laughs> either. I really don't. Uh, okay, Stephen, so shall we uh, get into your tunes here? No, oh, I'd love to, yeah. All right so your first song this is a great list by the way it's just a lot of classics you you said earlier um, you mentioned the term classic rock which I share the same disdain probably as you do or the oldies I don't like calling it classic rock but um, it's just good rock (laughs) it's just it's just great music yeah right Um, you know what before we start let me ask you a question actually while it's on my mind do you think after our great music heroes are gone do, do you think that music will still matter anymore as much as it does now?
1: I think music will always matter. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think we talked a bit, a bit, a bit about this in uh, the conversation we had previously. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're demanding as much from our music. And I think when we start to demand less and less, uh then it's going to matter less i think i think I think music will always make our skin vibrate mm-hmm. I think music will always have an impact on us emotionally yeah um but I think we're going to lose touch with uh the what and the and especially the why of that
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: and so i'm i'm that's why when I get into the car, I put on q one o seven in Toronto yeah yep. because I know there's going to be a a menu of things that um that were written at a time when music mattered and people... It's not that people don't care about music. It's I just... I don't know how to explain it. I just think we demand less uh, yeah. from our musicians and our music. And, and I think that the trajectory to get to, uh, you know, radio these days uh, has been drawn differently. And I just... I lament I guess I lament that. I don't mean to sound like the no. sound like the two old guys in the Muppet Show, right? And
0: one of those old guys is me, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> the like me. It's
0: it's tough to it's tough
1: not to, uh but but yeah, I, I listen to um I listen to my kids and uh you know, I know when they're just when music is on just to make noise. Uh, yeah. But when they're really listening to the lyrics and mm-hmm. to the music and yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, Luke went to the, the piano the other day and he said, "I he was just playing what single notes of uh, the beginning of uh, Lean On Me, Bill mm-hmm. Withers. And I just showed him how to form a chord underneath those notes. And man, it was like I had given them the keys to the kingdom. Really? I said, Daddy, how do you do that? And I said, this is how you do it. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I think music will all, all, always matter. Um, but I think we're, yeah, if we don't smarten up yeah, in terms of music education, and there, there are some horses that have already been let out of the barn we're not going to get them back but I Mm -hmm. think we can nurture some new horses let's just put it that
0: way yeah yeah no I agree I think the potential is definitely there I think you know these days with the advent of technology and so forth I think if there's so many distractions for kids that it's not the you know when I was a kid it was it was the only thing that I had really other than you know a crappy Atari 2600 you know video system Right. right? Right. right but music was the thing it wasn't just a thing and I think now that, you know, kids, as you said, listen to music in the background just so that there's some kind of like oral stimulation. They don't necessarily use their minds. They're just, it's almost like it's just filling a gap. You know what I
1: think was really an important moment was the, the and I don't know whether it came with the CD, probably the CD player, the ability to control the order of songs that we could play. mm in album rock when we sat down and we invited friends over on a saturday night because we had just been to zeller's or towers or uh, wherever to buy or sam's to buy a uh, a record yeah that was an experience oh and god yeah you sat down you didn't get up and say oh, well here listen to this now listen to this now no uh, even cassette tapes i mean you made your mixtape but you played it through you weren't going to fast forward to different yeah. points but yeah. as soon as we began to be able to control the playlist i think things changed and the I'd, experience has th-
0: changed th- that's a really, really good point, you know, because I, I had, I, vinyl was my, my thing even before cassettes. And so you would let it just run. And an album, in essence, was a story about the band that you wanted to hear. And you would just kind of let it go and listen to the story be told to you. Yeah. You know, I have a neighbor who is a lot younger than me. And, um, you know, she'll come over and, and, and listen to songs, but she never lets a full song play. So she'll she'll say okay I want to listen to you know this Bruno Mars song or something, and it'll be a minute in and then she'll switch it to something else, and yeah. it's just like, you know she, she I'm like you're driving me nuts with that oh, stuff. Yeah. You can't yeah. do that, but that's just I, maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know.
1: It maybe it's that's almost as bad as someone talking during a song that you want them <laughs> to listen to. That that
0: is just like. That's funny. I just had that conversation with somebody. There's nothing more frustrating than you saying and setting up a song and going, hey, you got to hear this. And then they, you know, say, wow, um, look what's on TV or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: it's a a relationship. You have a relationship with the music and it's like introducing your friend to another friend. Mm -hmm. And if that friend blows them off, then, I mean, you've lost something.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well said. Okay, so Stephen, let's get into your songs here. The first one is by the Eagles, yeah. and it's Desperado. Tell yeah. me about that. I remember the very first time I heard this song. Uh,
1: it, was, it was later than it came out. It was the it was the day that uh, the Mississauga train derailment happened. Hmm. And I had wandered over to Arendelle College, the University of Toronto, where I was attending. I was just nosy. And Arendelle College was right on the perimeter yep. of the evacuation zone, the okay. early evacuation zone. Okay. I don't know, if you, don't know if you remember that. What year was that? Ah, I was 79, I believe.
0: Okay. So been. Still up in Sudbury.
1: Uh, so I heard this song for the first time. I'd never heard it before. The reason I say that is because it was on the college radio station. Okay. Once I was out of uh, the perimeter area, I wasn't allowed back in. So I had to kind of <laughs> camp out at the uh, university. Yeah. And it came on. But a couple of weeks later, I was at Square One. I was in Rutledge Music in Square One. Okay. And I remember... One of the people that worked at the store, sitting down and playing this song okay. and I thought okay that's strange that 's the second time in two weeks that i've heard this, so I investigated further. I walked out of Rutledge music that day, not with the girl but with the uh, the, the <laughs> complete works of the Eagles, just to get that song, yeah just to get that song yeah and there's something about the opening chord of desperado mm-hmm. that that uh, and the opening sequence piano sequence, but it's become a Identity, an identity song for me because it tells the story in my mind of someone that's running away. And that's kind of my story. I've run away from all the good things in my life a lot yep. uh, to the point where at 48, I run away so much that I finally decided I um, can't do it anymore. Mm. And so Desperato, uh, if, if, people, if people ask me what song I most identify with, yeah. sad to say that's the song. So musically though, so it's got it's got many levels and many layers to me the chord structure is incredibly um, powerful a few years ago i played for a a rock and roll band at a georgetown called the boomerangs a 50s 60s rock and roll band right they let me do desperado It's the only song they let me sing and Ah. play and it's just it's just powerful the whole thing is powerful lyrics music
0: yeah for sure um,
1: Well, the, the, uh, I should, I should tell you that I was one of those kids. Remember those kids in high school, they got to high school and they just looked so awkward. Oh yeah. That everybody made fun of them and they just, you know, kicked them around the block. And, uh, well, that was me. I was that kid. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I didn't listen to, I I mean, I listened to to Chum AM in Toronto. I didn't listen to Chum FM, uh, because it wasn't, I mean, my parents thought rock and roll was kind of evil and, uh. Uh, I had short hair when everybody else had long hair. Oh, really? Yeah. I had uh, I had not jeans when everybody else was wearing jeans, okay. and uh, yeah, I was I stuck out. Uh, but but secretly, yeah, I went and listened to this music, and uh, ah, and, publicly I never I never really did. I mean, I've listened to your podcast, and I'm just amazed at the people you've had on who can you can name, um, you know, the 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 sound guy at this concert in 1972 or mm. or. or You know, has recently had dinner with this guy who is, you know, a rocker in Toronto and uh, amazed. I just have learned so much. But
0: that's not me. You know, I've always been so into music, you know, and going back to, to, you know, what we're saying about the experience of music. I used to pour over liner notes and look at, you know, Ted Templeman, who produced Van Halen. Like, I would look at who produced records and try to make connections between Van Halen's, guitar sound and, you know, whoever else Templeman produced, right? Michael Wagner, he produced Except and then, like I could just go on forever. See, but... you're one of those guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's Brent Jensen. Yeah, he's the musicologist. I forgot. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't, I'm not overwhelmed by that anymore. I just, I just absorb it. I just, like, I could listen to you talk about that all day and, uh, you know, be a fly on the wall and, well, that's why I listen to your podcast. That's,
0: uh... Oh, well, thank you. It's, it's more of a, kind of a nerdism than anything. Uh, but, yeah. But it, it just speaks to the fact that, you know, when 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 I was a kid, I identified and connected with music so heavily that you know that it it was just everything that I had. Yeah, Yeah, I loved it that much, and still do. You know, and and again, this goes back to the the central theme of music and education. I I I love what you're doing with that. I I fully believe that you need to kind of open doors for kids and turn the lights on for them, so that they you know kind of get more in tune with it. And I love that story about putting a chord under a couple notes and watching a kid's eyes light up and go, "Wow." You think about some, a band like The Police, right, and Sting. I feel sorry for Sting sometimes because people like police songs on the surface just because of the basic melody. But people overlook the dexterity and the skill that oh, Sting plays with. Yeah. Those bass lines are ridiculous. Yeah. More or less any song. You know, typical bass lines just kind of hold it down. But Sting is playing... You know a completely different melody underneath no they
1: No, that that's music that demands us to listen not just to hear, yeah to listen
0: yeah. but the, but it's so much fun to do that because you can literally kind of envelop yourself in it right if you've got a decent stereo you can left channel right channel and hear angus young and hear malcolm young on the other side and hear you know bill wyman and and you can pick out keith richards you know like it, it, that's what that's what i love about music i love doing that and I just you know back to my initial question, I worry that the things like that are not going to matter to kids anymore.
1: Well, kids may surprise us. They may uh, there may be a, a re long a period of re long a renaissance, let's mm-hmm. say a renaissance mm-hmm. of this. And uh, I mean, you, you walk down Queen Street in Toronto, and and the, the vinyl that's being sold.
0: Uh, yeah,
1: I, mean, I read a story yesterday that Elton John was in Toronto and dropped off some vinyl in in a in a shop somewhere. I mean, yeah,
0: played Scotia Bank. Yeah, he's, he's got a house here somewhere. Oh, does he? Yeah. Huh. North yeah. of uh, Toronto, yeah.
1: I know my my brother uh, passed away a few years back, and and his kids have revitalized his love, not only of music but of vinyl. And they, you know, they'll sit around on a Saturday night listening to the albums. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, so I think there there is a there's an energy there that I I think if we allow it to
0: if we listen for it mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. for it, yeah. And uh, you know, be a musical pusher, right? I I, I, I always talk that. about that. I didn't have a musical pusher when I was a kid. But uh, somebody to say, hey, you know, check out this band or, you know, check out this and expose kids to these to these bands that they, you know, might not discover on their own. I wish I had that when I was a kid. I didn't. Well, it also might be us
1: listening to their music with different ears as well. I mean. Yeah, for sure. And, and pointing out some of the things. It's not that today's music, they're they're not real musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't mean it to sound like that, but uh just just whatever whatever gets you into the conversation i guess
0: right yeah i think they're different musicians i think the landscape is different now and i the last thing i want to be is that negative kind of dismissive you know it's not as good as it used to be when i was a kid and all that stuff well i I mean where is that line though you know i don't want to be that closed-minded guy who says all music now is garbage there's got to be something good in there i just maybe it's just that i don't understand it the same way that kids do nowadays and but I, the, the, the important thing is that i'm open to trying well and that's I think good that's important that that openness will keep you young brent <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> it's turned well. into like a, a, a psychological evaluation all of a sudden of <laughs> It'll,
1: it's a way of uh countering the years of abuse that we uh the, we put our bodies through you know <laughs> that's right
0: <laughs> all right enough psychoanalysis and uh more chat about songs <laughs> It's the, it's the chairs these chairs are so it comfortable. Is. Tell me about your mother, Stephen. I'll tell you later about my mother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was a phenomenal experience a couple of weeks ago.
0: <laughs> All right, first let's talk about Dire Straits Sultan's oh, of Swing.
1: This song there are very few songs in the world where I hear the opening couple of chords and I just melt. Yeah. The emotional impact this song had, I don't know why. It's the it's the sound of the guitar. Mm-hmm. It's the chord structure. It's the lyrics, but it's where I was when I first heard it again, okay. and I was again on my way to uh, the Mississauga campus of the University of Toronto. We used to call it Arendelle College, yep. and it was springtime. And I was driving my mom's car, and it had a uh, it was an automatic, but the the shift was on the floor, so I okay. thought I was driving standard, you know. Yeah. And it was a spring day, one of those days where uh, the snow has started to melt. The smell of mud is in the air. You like know that. The s- yeah. spring was definitely there. The windows were open and dire straits came on. And I thought, holy mackerel, what is that? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. It's And so I was I was downtown, down here last week, going to the subway in a rush, trying to get home for the kids. And there was a musician right in front of Union Station. And what do you think he was playing? The Sultans of Swing. I had to stop. I had no money to give him. Yeah. <laughs> but... I had to stop isn't that great yeah it's just one of those touchstone songs for me and, yeah uh, and and I guess the song it, it's also you know the story of a uh, of, of music that maybe isn't appreciated by young people anymore so that's you know the, those lyrics uh, you know indicate that uh, this band is up there blowing Dixie yeah double bar time and yeah. uh, does anybody care you know? yeah but they're doing it because they love it 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 resonates with what we're talking about yeah so. And it's so recognizable, eh?
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely it is. You know, when I was a kid, I remember hearing that song. I think it came out like 78, 79, I want to say. And uh, that was my introduction to the Dire Straits. Yeah. And I just loved it. I, you know, it was on a lot of my mixtapes.
1: Yeah. I think it was a lot of people's introduction. I, I remember I ran a church youth group uh, uh, back in the day. and And that was kind of a song that we played at our... We had an old timers versus the young people volleyball tournament. And that was yeah. kind of the classic, you know, yeah. dire straits on. So yeah, 78, 79, that would have been, that would have been the time yeah.
0: mm-hmm.
1: before that calendar turned to the 1980s when things started to change, you know,
0: horrors. <laughs> <laughs> So going back further than that, Vanity Fair and oh hitching God. a ride. This has a radio
1: connection. So I learned. I learned that I wanted to be on the radio when I was in grade four. Nice. And it's taken how many years? Well, I'll be sixty <laughs> next week. So it'll, it's uh, so it's fifty years later. I'm living the dream uh, in the cave in Milton, Ontario. But uh, this song was the very first time I called a radio station. Okay. And this is the song I requested. Now, it was CHIC in Brampton, which became CFNY. Oh. And it was in a house in Brampton. And the motto was, CHIC, where the girls are. So I I had my mom's, uh, in our kitchen, we had a black dial phone hung on the wall. And I sat there. I was the only one home. I dialed, and I dialed, and I dialed. And it was busy, busy, busy. Finally, it started to ring. CHIC, where the girls are. Melanie, how can I help you? No, she said, what song would you like to hear? Mm. I said, I'd like to hear Vanity Fair, Hitchin' a Ride. And the opening of this, uh, I don't know whether it's a flute. I think it's a flute. At the could be a recorder. Okay. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> uh, again, the opening of this is, uh, musically, it's not the the world's best song, but it has such an emotional connection for me. I, I'm, I'm learning something in talking to you, Brent. Mm. It's the... Uh, where we were and what we were doing—that um, that matters it, a whole lot. Eh?
0: There is such a strong correlation. It's it's imprinting, really, isn't it? Yeah. Because when you think about the music that really makes your skin vibrate, as it were, think about where you were in your life and what you were doing, and and you know what your mindset was, what you are experiencing.
1: So this was nineteen. Would have been sixty nine, I think.
0: Sixty nine. This came out, I think, is a UK yeah. band, right? Vanity Fair. Yeah,
1: Vanity Fair, and I don't know if they had any more hits. Um, I'm not but '69 sure. uh, mm-hmm. was an important summer. That was Woodstock, the moon landing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember seeing that, and I also remember watching on CTV News they were covering the very first Miss Wor- Nude World pageant. What? At a Freelton, Ontario. <laughs> it was on the news. Really? So the parade of young women with their numbers. Uh, in this contest, the numbers uh, covering their behinds. Uh, no. But yeah, a little bit. That was the, that was the '60s, eh? And uh, so '69 was a real heady summer for me in oh, the sure. winter. So Vanity Fair just fits right into that.
0: And yeah, yeah. So wow. I'm, uh, I'm revealing a little too much here. Well, I'll reveal that that was the year I was born. You were born in '69. Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah, May 19.
1: I think that was the summer I fell in love for the first time.
0: There you go. You and Brian Adams
1: No, 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 no He was way more advanced than I was
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just doing some reading about that song the other day yeah. Well, you probably read about his uh, ulterior motive in that song though, Yeah Which yeah. I won't get into Yeah, and that's that's why I've always had that
1: in the back of my mind when I've heard that song but...
0: You know, I did too And I, I wasn't sure, but We'll yeah. leave the rest to people's imagination I'm sure they'll figure it out <laughs> All right, next up is The Band with the song The Weight. You don't like The Band, I know that. Uh, I'm not a big fan of The yeah, Band. Yeah,
1: you made that clear.
0: How do you know that, sir? I read your book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I read your book, and I was so disappointed. My
0: heart kind of sank when I saw your
1: reaction to The Band. But uh... You know, I, I, just, I don't
0: dislike them. I just kind of, I never really, I never got into them.
1: There's something very... Uh, grounding for me when I listen to the band, when mm. I listen to Neil Young, when I listen to that whole, uh, I guess, genre of music. But this song, um, and I'm still reading about the song and reading what the song means and, because it, when you listen to it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm. Um, but I'm reading now that there, are you know, the religious overtones and the, the the biblical passing on of, you know, you're on a journey, but when you get there, say hi to this person and will you do this for me and you'll do this for me. It's sort of that paying it forward type of thing, which I think is kind of fascinating. Yeah, But I'm embarrassed to say there's really one main reason I like this song. Okay. And it's because there is a chord progression there that gets me every time. I don't know what key the song is written in, but if it were in G, it would be that chord progression from a G to a G with the a B in the bass.
0: Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting how that happens?
1: Yeah. And it could be, I mean, some people would argue it's a G to a B minor, um, but no, it's that movement up to the, from the G to the B, yeah. if that's the, the key it is. Yeah. I've never talked about that before. So no. um, hearing it for the first time here. Uh, <laughs> exclusive. It's an exclusive. <laughs> Stephen Hurley exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell is Stephen Hurley? Why is he on there? Get Lee Eckley back, man. He was more interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it, no it's, it's, uh, chord progressions really, really uh, affect me. Yeah. And uh, it's they're they're part of the fiber of, of the way I listen to music. The
0: I, I think they affect a lot of people. They certainly affect me. You know, when you're talking about that, I was just reminded of a song by Joni Mitchell called My Old Man. Yes. And when it goes to the bridge, I don't know what that chord is that she goes to, but it just gets my attention and kinda of gives you the skin vibration. You know we well,
1: you say the same thing about the um not the stereophonics uh,
0: version <laughs> of, uh... Yeah, that is just Next level stuff. Yeah. You know, the the core. And I don't know why. That's the beautiful thing. I don't understand it. And I think that maybe this whole thing is just a journey to try to get there. I don't even know if I want to get there. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it it fascinates me that you can be, you know, so compelled by that, by uh, the oral aspect of it. It's, It's
1: what music is. I mean, that's what it's designed. And when you know that and you try to write some stuff. Than, yeah. you know uh, another one, and it's um, it's used by everyone from Gordon Lightfoot to I believe Elton John uses it as well uh, in different in different ways. Again, if the key is uh, if the key is G, then it's a G to a B seven chord, not a B minor, but a okay. B seven. It just had it lifts the whole thing.
0: The Beatles did um, that too, yeah.
1: I think Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah uh, tries to capture in the lyrics some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the the major lift, the minor that's right, minor fall, and uh, yeah, it's just that whole the chords matter. <laughs> the yeah, chords oh, absolutely, they do,
0: yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah.
1: And the way those the way those chords can hold a lyric, I mean, it's just it's amazing
0: with the right melody
1: on top of it. I'm really, really
0: sounding like I've thought this through. And not <laughs> have I'm you talking. Have you not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you came prepared. It's all coming out. This is like <laughs> therapy. <laughs>
0: You'll get my bill later, Stephen. Okay,
1: yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm covered. I'm on my wife's health plan, so perfect.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, next we have Neil Young and Long May You Run. This is a great song. It is a great song. And every broadcast I do on
1: Voice Ed Radio or when I was uh, broadcasting on another internet radio station that shall be unnamed, um, <laughs> I closed with this. And I closed, started to close with it, uh, well, it was 2011 when my brother passed away 2012 mm. he's my younger brother and he loved neil young he brought me down to a neil young con- concert and uh was at another neil young concert because of him at the acc actually it was uh csny and uh amazing amazing music i don't totally get all his music mm. i love his voice yeah and uh actually ryan adams uh, love reminds items. me of Neil Young in, in that, in that sense. Yeah. But this song uh, was the song that, that they played as they brought my brother's casket out of the church. Oh, wow. And so they, they brought him in with, uh, here comes the sun. That's awesome. And long may you run was the, uh, the song. And it really was George speaking to us. Yeah. You know, it was throughout that whole service. It was my brother speaking to us through the music. And it was an old Catholic church in Port Credit, and they let us play recorded music, which is that's unheard great. of. Yeah. So I've closed every broadcast I do with a Long May You Run, and uh, not Excellent. everyone knows why. They just say, oh, there he is again. But mm. it's, my, it's my brother. And, uh,
0: that's fantastic.
1: So that's that's a simple reason. for. I have no musical reason for for choosing that one, but uh, it makes my skin vibrate. And, and unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of time... Uh, you no, know, you're you're younger and your older brothers you're kind of there's a bit of distance growing up mm-hmm. we never really bridged that gap unfortunately yeah uh and so i mean if we were here today i just want to sit like this and just talk about the songs that he and he had a lot of a lot of songs that made his skin vibrate they were mm-hmm. just he just loved music
0: so. yeah yeah that's fantastic good for you so next we have uh, Looking Glass, Brandy. This is a classic 70s tune. I think this is like 72. Oh, I love the song. Do you remember,
1: uh, well, if you are born in 69, you may not, but they had these commercials on TV, um, k Records. Yeah,
0: of course. I, yeah. I had most of them, yeah. Yeah,
1: the 24 electrifying hits. <laughs> yeah. It was the first one, and you'd order it, right? Yeah. And if you ordered before midnight tonight, then you you get something yeah. else like, like Sound Waves. Yeah, right here, the... Uh, Pocket Fisherman or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> this song immediately captured, I can remember, it, I pl- this is one that I did go over to the record player and just kept playing over and over again. Yeah. And the dynamics of this song were what got me. It was, first of all, I loved uh, the lead singer's voice. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of this very folky uh, sound. Uh, it just was, it resonated with me the song swells mm-hmm. at the, at the course and then it comes right back down again. Yeah. And I just love that. Yeah. And, uh, I'm also, uh, I'm also drawn to songs about longing and lost loves and, uh, things we didn't say. And so mm-hmm. this is one of those, uh, those songs, you know, the Brandy really wants this guy in her life, but he's off. His first love is the sea. Yeah. And, uh, this guy's really sad, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: But uh, but Looking Glass, British band, I think. Yes. I
0: think they were, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I I saw a clip of this when I was a kid, and the guy's got long black hair, shirt's open to his navel. I can't think of the guy's name. Yeah. This came out '72, I'm pretty sure. We'll call him John. John. <laughs> <laughs> his last name starts with an L. Oh yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Your next scene. I've never heard of this. This is uh, Garfield and Give My Love to Anne. Um, The
1: Gas Works in Toronto, I believe. Ah. Uh, My brother, my older brother, used to go downtown uh, with his buddies, get into some trouble and come home. What year was this around? 79, I believe. Okay. So So Garfield French. Okay. Still around, but he came home with this album. Bill came home with this album after uh, hearing this band live. And again, it's uh, it's not the best song in the world, mm-hmm. but there's something. Again, it's a song of, about longing, uh, and Anne has left left him. And the refrain is, "Give my love to Anne. Tell mm-hmm. her that I wanted her. You know, tell her I did the best I could, but I guess the best wasn't good enough. I just think that's so sad. It you is know, sad. you try your you try your hardest, and and who hasn't had? And it's usually guys that have that experience. You know, yes, yeah. Thought he was doing the right thing, but. It left me anyways. Yeah. So um you know you, you you put that one up against desperado which has me running away from the good things. Yeah. And then when I did find a good thing, I either ran away or they left. I mean it's Yeah. It's it's life. It's coming and going, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You can find it on YouTube, you can find it on Spotify, Garfield's the band and uh they they never really made it big. They had one song I think called uh, Old Time Movies that made it kind of on the Okay. Top forty, yeah. The Toronto band, um, I think they did really well in Montreal. But uh, okay, I want to get in touch with Garfield French and tell him I appreciated his music.
0: Probably easy to track down, I would imagine. Right? I imagine it. Eh? Facebook? Have you looked?
1: Yeah, I, he has a website.
0: So, oh, there you go. Yeah.
1: Send so my brother out. and I were talking about it on Sunday. Actually, it's funny. I said, "Have you followed them?" And he said, "No, i
0: followed them." Hmm.
1: So um, I'm pretty sure it was '78 or '79.
0: Yeah, look them up. You never yeah. know. You might like to meet him. And we'll get him on the show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'll come and sit in the audience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got to do that. We have oh, to bring okay. people in here.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's great. I wish I had set up like this. I'd have the whole neighborhood in all yeah. the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, Eventually, I will bring in an audience for sure. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. It might ruin the dynamic. No. Well, if people behave themselves, I'm sure we could do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cat Stevens, father and son. I first heard this song when I was in grade
1: 10. We were brought into a drama class. You know, they used to have those drama studios in high schools. Right. And it was actually our music class that went in. uh, And I remember it was Pat Hewitt and Mike Saul. No, his name wasn't Mike. Anyways, they, they sat down and they did this song. If you don't know the song, it's a dialogue between the father and the son. The son wants to go away. He's ready to go away. The father's saying, no, stay, stay, Um, settle down, Um, find a wife. Mm -hmm. And the guy said, no, I've got to go. And it, it, to me, it represents that restlessness, that teenage angst, that existential desire to go out on the journey. And I think for me, uh, living in a very conservative Catholic home, I wasn't allowed to go out on the journey. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first time I left home, I went to a seminary. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so uh, that was the journey that I was allowed to go on, you know, but, uh, but, but at that time uh, people were uh, getting on their bikes and, and going across Canada and hitchhiking to all parts of the country. And it was a, it was, you know, that still, there was still that sense of of freedom of the sixties and that adventure. So I guess I lived vicariously through this song because I was feeling that every, every kid feels that, that sense of. Angst. Oh, for sure. But I love Cat Stevens doing this because he he starts off in one register and vocally he just moves up to the the other register. Mm-hmm. This is a great campfire song.
0: Yes, on and, the acoustic.
1: And it's uh, going back to music of today. Yep. You there aren't too many good campfire songs being written today.
0: Can't think of one. You know, to be honest with you.
1: Well, people bring their phones out and they want to do "You Too," and I mean those aren't. Oh no. Isn't? But Cat Stevens is a great
0: bring their phones out what do you mean
1: to to do the lyrics to read the lyrics oh. is, is that yeah i was at a camp campfire this week or this summer and people would you know you bring guitars out yeah, which sure. is great yeah people say well you know do bare naked lady well that's not a campfire song been, nah. and so they have to they literally you look around the campfire and everybody's got their phone out reading the lyrics to the song uh, which i guess i don't know And again i'm thinking of the chord structure of this song um i think it's got that progression that g to the to the b minor c yeah it's 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 great yeah simple lyrics are there
0: yeah it is great a lot of those guys are fantastic cat stevens jim croce who's the third one there's three of them that that i often mix up
1: um harry chapin
0: that's it there you go storytellers yep story singer-songwriters
1: well Harry Chapin is one of my favorites I mean I could listen to well one of my favorites of his I, it is another one that makes my skin vibrate is Circle yep all my life's a circle yep and when you listen to the live version of that mm-hmm. incredible yeah he gets his whole band singing a verse of that or the refrain and
0: yeah yeah, yeah. those three guys you know, between the three of them. I mean that was just a fantastic time for music. Right. But I always would kind of interchange them when I was a kid, like Harry Chapin, Jim Croce, you know, Katy, which one was which. Yeah. Now it's like Modest Mouse, Dead Mouse. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I have
1: a dead mouse story for you that I'm not gonna tell, but <laughs> I had no idea who that guy was until recently. <laughs> but um, no, I remember I remember watching um it was before we had a color TV. So we had a black and white TV in the basement and there are two events that I remember, uh, and I believe they both happened on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. I have to go back and check, but the CB, CBS would interrupt. Uh, we interrupt this program to bring you this special news bulletin. Mm -hmm. Um, Martin Luther King has been shot. Oh wow. Remember that? Yeah. And then it seemed really close together, but it probably wasn't. We interrupt this program to bring you this special news bulletin. Jim Croce, has died and I think it was a plane crash. It was. Yeah. It? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I remember that because I was really into his music and, uh, uh, it was just you know, a loss. Yeah. I just felt a sense of sense of loss. Yeah. It's part of the music. eh?
0: It is mm-hmm. part of the legacy. Next Eric Clapton and lay down Sally. Do you like this song? <laughs> <laughs> this is a leading question. I know you don't. <laughs> um, Because I read the book. (laughs) You know what I like, though, is that we could actually talk about this. One of my pet peeves is when you tell someone that you don't like, you know, an artist or a song and they get all kind of riled about it. Right. Like Eric Clapton, my personal opinion, I happen to think he's a very highly overrated guitar player. That's my opinion. It ends here everybody is fully entitled to you know think whatever it is that they want to think that's only my opinion but people get so pissed about this stuff oh yeah no they take it personally it's like it's like you're criticizing them yeah exactly yeah
1: i'm not at all i mean you take these things personally they have nothing to do with anything really (laughs) but it's
0: irrelevant because we
1: bring it into ourselves and it becomes part of us Mm -hmm. very personal and that's yeah, we yeah. need to investigate that a little more.
0: I just thought of something when you said that because you know music is personal and, and you know that's probably why people get so tweaked about it because it, you know you identify and you connect with this music and it's a part of you. But at the same time, I mean, I like when people don't agree with you know I'll say, hey, Elton John's Tumbleweed Connections, fantastic record, you know, where to now, St. Peter? Somebody might say, I hate that stuff; it's terrible. I wouldn't fly off the handle and say, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I would try to figure out why they thought that, and, and I would try to see it from their perspective. And the reasons for not liking
1: it probably are just as strong as your reasons for liking it. And yeah. I think that's in this day and age of polarized politics and, and opinions that are promulgated through blogs and whatnot. I, I mean, I write a blog, so <laughs> don't have anything against blogs, but we don't take time to really critically look not criticize, but to to look critically to ask those questions about the why and mm-hmm. the and when we do, I'm learning slowly. We can learn a lot. So why don't you like Eric Clapton? I just think he's overrated okay. as a guitar overrated. player. Yeah, I'll accept that. So once you run the table on songs that make your skin vibrate, you mm-hmm. should do another podcast on songs that make you nauseous.
0: Well, somebody came to me uh, and said, you know, let's do songs that make your skin crawl,
1: <laughs> <I love
0: it. laughs> which is a great idea. So that'll be the spinoff of this show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can get into some of
0: those conversations. I'll come back for that. Sure. All right. <laughs>
1: Although th- those ones I've kind of blocked out of my mind. I-, I wouldn't be able to come up with a list as quickly.
0: What's um, What's one that comes to your mind
1: right away that you would you absolutely hate? It'd have to be by Mar- Barry Manilow. <laughs> I, think, I think it's uh, Copacabana. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Yeah, I mean, but that maybe disco doesn't count. Maybe that era doesn't count Mm. because there's a lot of crawling in that. Uh, Yeah, um, I would have to. You know, there there would probably probably be a couple by some of my favorite artists. I mean, just because I like a song by an artist doesn't mean I Mm -hmm. I like all of them. I I happen to think Elton John is an overrated piano player. Yeah, Um, and there are some things that he's done that I just
0: see. I like him, and you know, I I don't share that sentiment. But there you go. You know, what? The show's over. That's it. <laughs> well, I'm a piano player, and, uh, uh, you know, I
1: have I have high standards. I don't think I'm the world's best piano player, but I... And I'm, I'm not saying I'm... John Caliber? John, but...
0: <laughs> we should have a, a piano off. We'll bring him in here. You guys could duel. we we'll yeah. dueling pianos.
1: I used to have funky glasses with windshield wipers. I did. With fur around them? No, I didn't go for the fur. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't go that far, but... I wore them to church one day. I was a church organist. I oh. remember wearing them to church one day and uh,
0: yeah. to get a couple laughs from the uh
1: I didn't get communion that day.
0: <laughs> oh. didn't go over <laughs> I almost well. Got excommunicated, yeah. Oh. oh. These things happen in church.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they do quite often. More often than you think. Anyway. I do digress. So uh yes. Eric Clapton Eric Clapton again associated with oh man. Uh, Arendelle College. So I used mm-hmm. to go over on Sunday nights when the snow fell, and I love walking out when the snow is just—you know—that still night, big thick flakes, and yeah. the and the the street lights make it every. The sky is a little bit yellow because of all the reflection. Yeah, there is an anticipated snow day the next day, so you know you sort of wait for that announcement. But it was a Sunday night, and I was in the uh, parking lot of uh, the North Building of Arendelle College. Mm-hmm. And I was doing donuts with my mom's uh, uh, Dodge uh, Valiant. It was a, <laughs> like a, a, a little compact car. And this song came on. Mm. I remember uh, going home and putting it on a mixtape seven times in a row, so I didn't have to rewind. Oh wow! And there was something about it. And I think it was the it was the um, the guitar introduction. A little plucking thing. Yeah. And again, it's not the world's best song, but there was something about the emotional connection with that experience, imprinting. And every time I hear it, and so when I do, you know, a music show on Voice at Radio, uh, that will invariably be in there somewhere. Mm. Just look for an excuse to play it. This like, guy, I think it's so neat. Just like I think, you know, the Lido Shuffle is neat. Uh, yes. uh Boss Gags. Uh, I, I can...
0: Lee, that's a great tune. Uh,
1: Lido. Anyway, but but that's the Eric Clapton song and that's why I lay down Sally. And rest you in my arms yeah it's just something uh it it makes my skin vibrate
0: yeah. that particular song i actually don't mind it's a good tune lay down tally
1: it's not a typical eric Cla- like the it's really uh, eric not. clapton
0: and the, the
1: old eric clapton is uh yeah and then and then he got even more
0: reflective yes know. yeah i will make that concession okay I'm <laughs> oh, good, good.
1: I can stay just a while longer That's <laughs> <laughs> The show will
0: continue. <laughs> don't,
1: don't you want someone to talk to? Yeah. It's me. <laughs>
0: well done. You're like Ron McClain Yeah, with those right. quips.
1: <laughs> I love those interviews, by the way.
0: Which? Ron. Oh, he's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. He is I'm great. older than him. You are older than Ron McClain? Oh, yeah.
1: He's like 59 this year, I think. He is. I tell people, well, I'm turning 60. And they say, no, you're not turning 60. And I said, yeah, look carefully
0: at the eyes. <laughs> That's where
1: you'll find it, eh? Look
0: at the eyes. <laughs> yeah. That was your last song, sir. That's it, eh? We're done. That's was it. that my last song, really? That was. You had nine songs. Time flies. Yeah. That was your last tune.
1: Well, thank you for this opportunity. I've really, really enjoyed meeting you face to face and uh, being able to dig into some of that music.
0: Thank you. I appreciate the fact that you know I was on your show. I, we had a great chat. I, I really enjoyed that.
1: Well, you'll have to come back. And uh, remember, Voice Ed Radio, we have music rights. So if you want to get on and talk about some of these, we can actually play the songs. Uh,
0: see, I don't have that capability. So yeah. that's a luxury. Yeah. You should definitely do that. Yeah. And likewise, you're, uh, you're, you're always welcome here. This is a great chat. I really enjoyed this. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you're doing good work, sir. Thank you. And so are you. Thank you come back anytime it's a mutual admiration society i love it it is yeah (laughs) all right this has been no sleep till Sudbury with brent jensen my very special guest mr stephen curley until next time folks take good care brent jensen is the best-selling author of no sleep till Sudbury, leftover people and all my favorite people are broken all titles available in stores and on amazon worldwide